Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Welcome to the latest edition of Circling the Bases. I'm DJ Short, and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so thanks for hanging out with us there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording on Monday afternoon, coming out of the final weekend of spring training. We've made it. Thank goodness. (laughs) Rosters beginning to fall into place and opening day just three days away it's a fun time scott it's a really fun time and uh, some really fun players are going to be part of our fantasy life right away which is exciting we'll talk about that just got back from trip to new england where i drafted my longest tenured fantasy league with all my old friends steve and larry and john and don everybody a league that goes back to the early 90s so that was a blast and uh you know i'm starting my teams are starting to get shape i'm starting to take positions on you know i have a lot of this player don't have a lot of that player yeah. There's certainly a FOMO list of guys I haven't drafted who I wanted to. Uh, there's some players who I'm not sure why I keep drafting them, but I have. And uh, I just yeah. can't wait to throw them all out in the field and see what they do. And, of course, you know, this year, of course, we've been talking all about the rule changes. And then our appetite got whetted with that great World Baseball Classic, which was just fantastic. We'll remember that for the rest of our lives. So this every year has its own distinctiveness to it. This year feels especially different because we, we know the playability of the game is going to be different this year. And I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I think some future episodes for us might be a FOMO episode, players we wish we drafted more of, players we regret we drafted. So uh, look for that in in future weeks. Before we get started here, just a reminder, new MLB season, new rules, new stars. So pair it with the Roto-World Baseball Draft Guide. Get all the player profiles, rankings, and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use pennant25. To say 25% off at checkout, our special promo code there, Pennant25. Once again, you can save 25% off at checkout. Over the weekend, I was making some tweaks to our rankings, our tiers, with the news of some of these prospects making rosters, also injuries uh, in camp, pitchers making rotations. Got to move them up on your draft boards as well. So a lot of of stuff happening, and we're trying to keep it updated uh, as much as we can. Uh, Two significant dominoes fell on Sunday with the news that both Jordan Walker made the Cardinals and Anthony Volpe made the Yankees. And as someone who drafted both of them in Tot Wars mixed draft, I'm particularly excited. Uh, I also drafted Grayson Rodriguez, who will reportedly not make the Orioles roster. That just came down Monday afternoon. He kind of struggled a little bit toward the end of spring training. So I think that made the decision easier for the Orioles. But I thought out of those three, and maybe Rodriguez was like the biggest no-brainer. 
Um, mostly because if you look at the Orioles rotation, like it's really hard for me to believe that Rodriguez isn't one of their best five starting pitchers. Um, were you surprised by that decision? I was because I think Baltimore set up to contend right now. They contended last yep. year, and I think the roster on paper is stronger this year. Plus, you get another year of experience from some of their other younger players. They have yeah. a couple of young stars, obviously, with um, with their infield and their catching position and everything. So I thought Baltimore was done with this. We're rebuilding. It's like, okay, we built something now. Let's actually go see how it plays. I don't think yeah. Rodriguez is going to be in the minors very long, but that did surprise me. Now, tell me, I'm curious, as somebody who – I have some Jordan Walker. I have not drafted Volpe this year, but I'm curious who's higher in your current ranks at the moment. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. But I'll say this about Rodriguez. Like mm-hmm. on paper, I think Rodriguez should be in the rotation. Like I, sure. I, sh- I think sure. he should be in the, he should be on the opening day roster on merit, on, on potential, on capability of impact this year. But the thing to keep in mind, he only threw 75 and two thirds innings last year in AAA due to a lat strain. So how many innings can he reasonably pitch this year? So even if you're thinking from a competitive situation, like you're like, hey, the Orioles are supposed to be good. They're supposed to be in it, supposed to be in the playoff mix. If you have him starting on day one, like he's not going to be there in October. So some way or another, the Orioles are going to have to be smart about how they use him. That's a great point. And that's also a reason why you see a lot of pitchers you think of like Kyle Wright, right? He's going to start the year on the, the IL for the Braves. But teams are thinking load management with just about every pitcher on their staff, right? I mean, I have some Clayton Kershaw shares this year. I know the first moment he has any kind of a hiccup with his shoulder or his elbow, the Dodgers are going to pull back because they think, okay, we're we're thinking playoffs here. We're thinking it's a seven-month season. And the idea of you know Clayton Kershaw throwing 200 innings or anybody really. I mean, how many guys are going to throw 200 innings? Maybe three or four. Right. Um, right. So – Everybody, load management is a part of every team's plan at starting pitcher. And when you mention a, a, a young pitcher like Rodriguez who hasn't gone past certain innings thresholds, I guess that makes sense that well, why why rush to, you know, get him ahead of the pace and then we get to pull back at him in the middle of the season. Maybe just, we'll just amp him up slowly and then we'll add him when we think it makes sense with the idea that we don't want him to throw more than maybe 145 innings this year. So I, I think it's like a perfect storm situation for the Orioles because obviously if they wait a few weeks, they get that extra year of service time. We know there's the incentive for teams to, you know, bring, to have uh, prospects on their opening day rosters because if they win rookie of the year, you know, you get an extra draft pick, all that stuff. But there still is that service time situation to think about. So I think there's a couple of motivations that made it easier for the Orioles to, to send him down. I'm not saying I agree with it, but like I could see the rationale behind it even if i don't like it especially as someone who has some intent wars but i am not dropping it i will say that no <laughs> uh but we will focus on the positive for now we'll start here with jordan walker uh who started to feel like maybe it was a foregone co- conclusion that he would make the opening day roster became official over the weekend walker regarded as a consensus top five prospect in the game 20 20 years old turns 21 in may has really turned heads this spring this hit 286, three homers, five doubles, two stolen bases across 19 games, 14 strikeouts against just two walks in 65 plate appearances. That's not quite as good. Still, Walker will begin the season as the regular left fielder for the Cardinals, pushing Dylan Carlson into more of a platoon role. Walker will probably be in the bottom third of the order to start, but obviously some exciting potential here. 
Yeah, in that league I mentioned, um, the Chelmsford League, although none of us live in Chelmsford anymore, it's a 13-team keeper league, so that this isn't apples to apples, but we drafted Jordan Walker, my partner Scott and I, in the ninth round. Okay. Which is, um, we're generally, it's funny, this is a, a very rookie-friendly and young player-friendly draft, and usually we're the ones like, no, we'll take the guys who are the sure things, who have already proven it. So it's yeah. a little bit out of character for us to be the Jordan Walker guys, but but here we are, and I've, the power and speed's going to play right away. And as you mentioned, not a great walk-strikeout ratio this spring, but I love that. He's only 20. Nobody would have really batted an eyelash if the Cardinals said, okay, let's just give him a month to go tear up AAA or let's, you know, wink, wink. He needs some seasoning. He needs some more time in defense, whatever. Also, it's nice that he'll qualify at a couple of different positions right now, just third base eligible in Yahoo, but he'll pick up the outfield eligibility. We always like a little bit extra flexibility, but in the case of hitting the bottom third of the order and Volpe will probably bat ninth for the Yankees too. At least the lineup is so deep. If you're going to have to hit low, I want it to be because the team is so deep and the roster is going to turn over. The lineup's going to turn over so much. Yeah. I don't think that's that big of a deal. And also, there's always the chance that if Walker hits the ground running and somebody gets into a slump, somebody gets hurt. Next thing you know, he's, he's batting second or third, you know, sure. on, on April 17th. I think that's in the range of outcomes. Now, of course, because he's so young, if he does get off to like a, a three for 35 start, it's easy for the Cardinals to say, okay, well, maybe he needs some seasoning. But the fact that I drafted him proactively, I'm generally not somebody who does that with rookies. I'm not sure. Not that I don't see the potential, but a lot of times with the shiny new toys, there's such a race. There's so much elbowing to get first to the shiny new toy that a lot of times I just kind of say, well, I'm not going to yeah. be that guy. And in this case with Jordan Walker, I was that guy because, man, it, it's just hard to unsee some of those bombs he was hitting in spring training. And, it, and third base, you know, isn't a great position in fantasy this year. Uh, it certainly helps to get that outfield eligibility. We mentioned outfield's kind of top heavy this year. And you look at the average draft position for Walker in the month of March, this is the whole month, uh, 127.16 on NFBC. So that puts him in the same area as Giancarlo Stanton, Andrew Vaughn, Anthony Santander, Stephen Kwan, Nick Castellanos, Chris Bryant. Does that sound about right to you, Scott? It does. The guy in that group I like the most is Vaughn, by the way. Although Chris Bryant is somebody who I I've kind of done a 180 on a month ago. I wasn't going to be drafting Chris Bryant and he's had such a great camp. It is Colorado. <laughs> he's still just what 30, 31 years old. So maybe I flipped a little bit on Bryant, but yeah, yeah I, I can't, I can't blame anybody who takes Walker over some of those guys. I'm, I'm not a Stanton guy. We know Quan is yeah. like a three category player, not going to offer much in the power categories. Although I think that average is always going to play and he'll steal some bases that guardians kind of have a different shape of their offense. But yeah. It's at a point where you draft those guys, you're not sure what you're getting, right? I mean, Vaughn hasn't sure. popped yet. Bryant's coming off down season. Stanton has obviously been such an injury risk in the second phase of his career. So, you know, Quan was out of nowhere guy. It's not like he's a sure thing. So it's at the point where you're really just focusing on what can go right because nobody really has a floor at that point in the draft. So what right. can go right with Jordan Walker? He could be the National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, Absolutely. I do wonder about the strikeout. So, I, you know, I don't expect a strong batting average to start. I would probably set my baseline expectations like 240 range, 250, something like that. But 20 plus homers, 10 to 15 steals, very much, uh, very much possible. Uh, which Let me mention one other thing. One other thing yeah. why we drafted Walker and why people may want to draft Walker. I mentioned my league is, is kind of prospect heavy, hot and heavy. If Walker ever gets off to a huge start, if he's like a monster player in April, mm-hmm. you can you talk about FOMO, you can trade off that FOMO. You can say, yeah. okay, 
let's let's before the league starts making adjustments on him and, and who knows i mean some guys hit the ground running and they're great all year some guys hit the ground running and then in in may they hit 190 i mean it's baseball right. very complicated there's ebbs and flows things are not always linear they really only make sense when you look back on them in the middle of it you don't know where things are going but i can guarantee you this if he gets off to a hot start he'll probably be somebody because the way our league is shaped that will try, probably try to flip because we know somebody who wanted to draft him will pick out God, I, all the Jordan Walker FOMO, and then we can cash in on that. That's a good call. So next up, let's jump to the Yankees, who announced Sunday that top prospect shortstop Anthony Volpe has made the opening day roster as well. Volpe actually grew up a Yankees fan, and uh, he couldn't wipe the smile off his face. Uh, just the absolute joy of making the team and, and realizing a, a dream, really. Uh, that was super cool to see. And Volpe, you know, he came into camp as more of a long shot uh, to win that sort of sh- starting shortstop role. Oswald Peraza, you know, was the favorite with uh, Kiner Falefa sliding into more of a utility role. But uh, Volpe just flat out showed out during spring training. He earned it all the way. Uh, hitting 314, 417 on base percentage, three homers, six doubles, one triple, five steals. And while Jordan Walker's plate discipline at least gives some reason for pause, Volpe has 13 strikeouts against eight walks. So also encouraging as far as that's concerned. Volpe has game-changing speed, so adds a different dynamic to that Yankees lineup, which I think they need. Um, we'll see where he hits you know, permanently in the Yankees order. We know ninth probably likely for opening day. But obviously we love the lineup, the situation, the home stadium is a, is a nice advantage. He has shot up draft boards in recent weeks where it's become increasingly more likely that he that he'll make the team over the past week on nfc he's at 171.44 right in the same area as jonathan india who i know you like uh brian hayes alec bohm jeff mcneil javier baez what are you thinking about that i think volpe has probably more upside than most of those guys i would still take jonathan india over him but the category juice is going to play right away. I love that he's stolen bases in spring training because a lot of times when we see speedsters in the minors, it's like, well, how quickly does the speed translate to the major league level where they let him go or he feels comfortable reading major league moves and he's coming at the right season, right? Where we've had some overhaul that the pickoff rules have changes changed. Obviously the bases are a different size. So they're trying to incentivize the stolen base. They're trying to bring that back into the game. And a big thing here, whenever you're drafting somebody whose value is tied notably to his speed, the question is always, where's he hitting in the lineup, right? Because a lot of times speedsters hit bat first, they bat second, or they bat eighth, or they bat ninth. They don't bat in the middle of the lineup, although Volpe is not a punchless guy. He should hit double-digit home runs as well. But I see no reason why he couldn't conceivably be their leadoff man eventually. Right now, I look on roster resource, DJ LeMahieu, who is no guarantee to play every day, and he's had injury issues. He hasn't had the greatest trajectory of his career lately. Is their projected leadoff man? I think the Yankees lineup is going to be fluid day-to-day, week-to-week. And, and if Volpe gets off to a good start, I think they're going to bat him ninth to kind of take the pressure off him. They don't want to feel like he's got this burden right away to to produce. And look, and shortstop is a position right where your defense is almost as important as your offense. So uh, yeah, look, make, make the plays on defense. You know, you'll get comfortable on offense. But if he gets off to a good start, maybe they say, heck with it. we got to put our best players at the top of the lineup. Maybe that is Anthony Volpe. You want to talk FOMO? Here's where I'm the other side of the FOMO. I have no Volpe, and it kills me. I'm, I'm also a Red Sox fan, so it's frustrating <laughs> to see the Yankees land a guy who might be a thorn in my side for the next 10 years. But um, yep. I 
I still have a couple of drafts left. I, I may just push my chips in on Volpe just to have a share because I think he's here to stay. And, I, again, the category juice is going to play right away. I, mean, I think you have to project him for, like, 25 or 30 steals. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Batting average, you know, that's that's a moving target, I think. But the speed helps, you know, as far as batting, uh, batting average on balls in play. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking 10 homers, 20 to 30 steals, 70 runs scored. But that depends on the, you know, the supporting cast, where he is in the lineup, all those factors as well. But certainly, you know, I said the average draft position over the past week is 171.44. Now that he makes the team, I think this number is going to shoot up even more where uh, Volpe and Walker are taken around the same general area. So you, you, you asked the question earlier, earlier, who do you take in this spot? I, I think I still take Walker. Um, and I think it's just a matter of positional uh, scarcity for me. Third base outfield, I think those are two spots that are that are top heavy, whereas shortstop is deep enough that I think you can you can wait. Um, so I still have to go Walker, but I think they're both ex- extremely exciting. Yeah, I lean Walker too. Although uh, you know, another interesting thing about Volpe is that even if he bats ninth, he's only two slots ahead of Aaron Judge. If he ever gets that leadoff spot, he's right in front of Aaron Judge. And you True. know, an easy way to score runs is to get on base and then trot home when Aaron Judge hits one four hundred and fifty <laughs> feet, which is yeah. going to happen probably fifty times this year. So I lean Walker. But if I were in a, in a draft with a co-manager and he wanted to push on Volpe, I would certainly hear the argument because it's it, I'm not dug in on that. I think they're both going to have strong years. And, and maybe if somebody wanted to argue Volpe had a better floor because of all their skills, yep. the one thing that I think is going to translate right away is Volpe running. I think that's – and, and yeah. maybe his on-base skills too. That should yep. be the easiest onboard of all the things that they do. I just – I guess I tell myself I think Walker's just a better prospect and Walker like someday might be an MVP where I don't right. feel quite that way about Volpe. But – um, man, it's just exciting. Yeah, in, in any other year, man, we'd be talking about, oh, when are they going to bring Volpe up? When are they going to bring Walker <laughs> up? This is chicanery yeah. with the with the arbitration time. You know, I'm so sick of it. It's just so nice to have these guys in. You know, we're going to be watching them play in three days. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and that's a good point about the. I think there is a safer floor there. That's a good call on Volpe. Um, so we, we're going to get into some more fun stuff here in a minute. We're going to talk about uh, March risers as we approach. If you're drafting this week. You want to keep an eye on these names we're about to discuss. But before we do, reminder, download the RotoWorld app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. And this is a really important time, I think, to download it because there are so many roster updates coming fast and furious right now. It's hard for me, even me, to keep up. There's always like a player that lands on the injured list that you didn't expect and you have to make a quick move to fill a spot, uh, jump on the waiver wire and pick someone up. So uh, make sure to download that app today. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. So something fun, I think, to discuss here, uh, like I was saying, players who have risen the most in our personal rankings and in our listeners' rankings since the start of spring training, Walker and Volpe qualify to some degree, certainly, but they were top prospects coming into camp and look like logical names to perhaps make the leap. But um, let's dig a little bit deeper here. I actually put this question out on Twitter. I'll mention some of them here today. Uh, maybe just to give you guys some late round flyers uh, if you're drafting this week. But an example here, I'll name one. And it, someone I've mentioned over the past few weeks, uh, but there's a reason for that because he's ended up on most of my teams in that time. And that's Hayden Wesneski with the Cubs. Of course, the Cubs got him from the Yankees uh, for Scott Efros at the trade deadline uh, last year. Efros is hurt right now. Meanwhile, Wesneski looks like a potential keeper for Chicago. Uh, he grabbed a hold of a rotation spot uh, this spring, posted a brilliant 2.12 ERA, 22 strikeouts, six walks, and 17 innings over five starts this spring. He was good in a, a really short stint with the Cubs last year, but uh, I think there's a lot to like. The control is excellent. Uh, his slider sweeper pitch uh, is really his key out pitch. Had a ground ball rate approaching 50% in his time with the Cubs last year. And he was hitting 97 miles per hour with his fastball the other day. Uh, so I think there's a lot to like with him. And even over the past two weeks where it looked like maybe he would make the roster there with the Cubs, his ADP 261.44. So very reasonable flyer right in the same range as Tyler Anderson, Zach Eflin, guys like that. Why not take a shot? Yeah, I think there's a fair chance. Not that Jameson Tyon or Marcus Stroman are bad pitchers, but – I think there's a good chance at the end of the year we'll be looking back and saying Wisniewski was the right guy to get in this rotation and yeah. ha- had a taste of it last year. We've seen him, the swing and miss stuff, the walk strikeout rate this spring. And, for, you know, I don't – a lot of people look at spring training like, I, like, I don't care, it's meaningless, whatever. I always care about walk strikeout rates, especially if they're that good. Yeah. It's going to move the needle for me. So he's somebody I've been trying to draft, and I feel like every draft I get in, somebody just cuts me off right when I'm about to pull the trigger on him. Like the next round is going to be the Wisniewski round, and I get cut off. But <laughs> – uh, that's been frustrating to me. I think he's a great pick. I'll, I'll give you if you anybody who's in that range who wants a pitcher who doesn't get him. Another guy I've been getting a lot of is David Peterson of the Mets. Um, again, another case of the nebulous rotation, right? Is he in it or not? Is there a spot for him or not? We know he has the strikeout stuff. He needs to improve a little bit on the control. I still think yes. betting on this Mets. We talked. We did our over unders last week. It was a really fun segment on Wednesday, and I talked about the Mets as a really good over. You can get them in the low nineties now, which I think is stealing money. With the age of this Mets rotation, and already Quintana's hurt. We know Verlander and Scherzer are at ages where you have to be a little bit nervous that they can last the whole season. I, I just want to bet on the talent and just figure yeah. that there's going to be opportunity there. I think he's like the cheapest 165 strikeouts on the board. Yeah, his slider had a ton of swings and misses last season. I think he could be a real sleeper candidate. He's going to throw a ton of innings. The Mets rotation is old enough that they are going to need to fill some spots uh, throughout the course of the season. So, I'm going to throw out some names that were mentioned to me from 
uh, from Twitter. The first is from Mike Curlin, who actually uh, writes for The Athletic, Fantasy terrific, Pros, terrific a bunch of places. Yeah, he's, he's really good, uh, especially when it comes to spring training development. So he threw out Will Benson on the Reds, who is a former prospect of the Guardians. And at one point, he was a, like a big-time prospect uh, and essentially was labeled as a bust eventually, uh, but really turned things around in the minors last season. Hit, he's hit 327 with a homer and six steals over 17 games this spring. Uh, had some interesting pop and speed numbers in the minors. Had 17 homers, 16 steals in 89 games with the Guardians AAA affiliate last year. Officially made the Reds opening day roster over the weekend. And as of now, it looks like he could be the center fielder for the Reds on opening day. Uh, I think definitely someone worth tracking. I think in a shallow mixed league, like standard 10, 12 team, you're probably not going to take uh, Benson. But if you're in a deeper format, five outfielders, two utility spots, stuff like that, uh, I think Benson is is an interesting player. I've been saying a lot of this this spring, and I'll, I'll say it again here. I think Cincinnati needs to get the Colorado treatment where anybody in their lineup, because the park is so favorable, that anybody who's getting it back, we, we're, we're, we've been trained that anything in Colorado doesn't matter if you even think the player's any good. He's in Colorado. I have to take him seriously to some level. I actually think the Reds are more of a destination offense this year because I think they have better players than the Rockies do. And the park is almost as good. Plus, they don't get the hangover on the road that the Rockies hitters get. Yeah. The case with Benson, there is batting average risk here, and I don't know if we'll be in a platoon or not. But the yeah. bottom line is there's a path to him maybe getting 450 to 500 at-bats in one of the best parks in baseball. We love post-hype guys, right? Anybody who people were excited about a minute ago who, for whatever reason, didn't get off to a great start to their career, and then people just throw them out like they're totally worthless. And there's a different – as talk about baseball is not always linear, right? Guys learn. They change things. They tweak. They have different coaching. They change organizations in the case here. I mean, wh- why not – why can't Benson be a – I don't know, a 15 homer, 10 steal, you know, 200, 250 guy for the Reds, get 500 at bats. It's plausible. So what a lot of people are going to do, I think in a standard mixed league, he's like a guy who should be at the top of your watch list where you're like, okay, I'm monitoring the Reds closely. I want to know who's rostered my league who's on the Reds, who isn't rostered. And if anybody hits the ground running and does anything like the opening week, I'm going to be quick to act because there's going to be somebody on the back of your bench who didn't make the team or got hurt or is in a platoon you didn't expect or whatever. And you want to be fluid with the bottom of your roster, whether it's the bottom 10%, 15%, 20%, you decide where to draw the line. But when you have more new information in season, I want you to act quickly. Don't be a wait for proof guy. Don't be like, Oh, Benson had a good week. I'm going to wait and see where he is on May 1st. He'll be gone in your league. You have to act proactively. So, Again, I think he's more of a watch list guy maybe, but again, Mike Curlin is, is, is so in the nooks and crannies with roster construction, lineup construction. I, I can't say enough. You get nothing out of this nugget. Follow Mike Curlin. He'll make you a better yeah. fantasy player. He certainly That's... helped me out. But I want you to pay special close attention to everything that goes on in Cincinnati here, and, and that includes their outfield for sure. Yeah, Nick Senzel is uh, is going to start the season on the injured list. Uh, he's playing, but you know, just delayed to start the year. But his injury history is so lengthy that – I don't think you can really trust him uh, to play a full season. So Benson has a chance to carve out a role there. Well, I'm under ready too when yeah. we're talking Reds that uh, I've drafted Tyler Stevenson on just about every yeah. one of my teams. I don't think I got him on the weekend. I got sniped on him um, in one of my drafts this weekend, but he's, he's probably on 75% of my rosters. A catcher who may not be catching all the time. We love players like yeah. that. Aren't many of them. So another catcher here, another person mentioned Gabriel Moreno, mm-hmm. young catcher for the Diamondbacks. Of course, Moreno was part of that Dalton Varsho trade 
with the Blue Jays over the winter. Lourdes Gurriel also came over to Arizona in that deal. Uh, Moreno was originally projected to share playing time with Carson Kelly uh, to begin the season, but he's likely to have a more prominent role now that Kelly is expected to miss significant time with a fractured forearm. Uh, Moreno can hit, no doubt about that. 310 hitter in the minors, excellent contact ability. He's hit 370 in spring training. Uh, three homers and 31 plate appearances was actually really nice to see as the power is a bit of a question right now. He has 27 homers in 253 uh, career minor league games. So I think it's probably unfair to expect much more than 10 homers in a full season right now. But I think the average could be very useful. He might be more in that range of like a Kbert Ruiz for me right now. So right in the you know fringy top 12 catcher range. Um, but that's still pretty good. If, you, if you're in a one-catcher league and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, I think he's one you could jump on and, and maybe get a nice value. Yeah, I thought he was a nice add for the Snakes. And his, the shape of his offensive profile is backwards from what a lot of catchers – we think of a lot of catchers who have power, but they might hit 220, might hit 230. Right. This is a guy who's the average is going to play right away. It's just a question of how many home runs is he going to hit. But sometimes catchers need more development time before their game really comes around. Another position where it's like defense first – and then we'll worry about your offense. And Arizona, I've talked about a lot on the show, but I think they're a kind of a sleeping team in the sense that, look, they're not the Dodgers. They're not the Padres. They're not even the Giants. And, you know, Colorado's always a buzzy toy because of their park. They're the forgotten team in that division. There's a good offense here. I know that they don't have the depth of the pitching after their first couple of guys. You know, Gallon's terrific, and I think Kelly's actually pretty solid. But they don't have the depth in their rotation to contend. But I think they're going to score runs. And you also mentioned Guriel. Who a lot? One of my favorite types of players to draft is the boring, like forgettable veteran. Last year, Guriel had a wrist injury, I think it was. Hit for average, had a good OBP. The power disappeared. His slugging was under 400. He's a good hitter. I thought they bought him low at a really interesting time. I would not be surprised at all if Guriel had a 275, 25, 85 season, and you're getting him so so cheap again because Arizona. There's, there's nothing – people are not going to your draft all excited, other than maybe Corbin Carroll and to maybe a lesser extent Jake McCarthy. For the most part, you know, Christian Walker's just there when you want him in the 11th round. He's a good player. Sure. You know, yeah. I, again, Moreno, if you're going cheaper catcher, I think he's a really interesting guy. He's, he's playing time opened up. He was going to be sharing probably 50-50. That's out the window now. He could get 500 at-bats. There aren't that many catchers we can say that about, and you're getting a discount because there's nothing buzzy about this offense. This is – at least an average offense. I would not be surprised if there's even a hair above average. There are yep. several interesting Arizona players I want to draft, and Moreno's one of them. So uh, another uh, reader threw out three pitchers here, Graham Ashcraft, uh, but also Reed Detmers and Yusei Kikuchi. I don't know if Detmers qualifies here because I think people have been on him really all spring, all offseason. But uh, Ashcroft, and, uh, Ashcraft and Kikuchi are, are interesting uh, because they're, they've done really well this spring. Ashcraft has a 25 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio this spring. Uh, using a new slider grip, too, he has the velocity as well. He struck out 10 batters in a start against the Padres last week. He slated to be the number three starter for the Reds uh, behind Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. That's a really, really fun one, two, three. Uh, I'm interested there. Kikuchi has allowed two earned runs in 18 innings with 25 strikeouts. Of course, he's also walked 10 batters in that time. Uh, not exactly what you want to see after walks were a real big issue for him last year. He walked 58 batters in 102 thirds innings. So if I had to take a chance on one of these two, it would probably be Ashcraft today. Uh, I do have Kikuchi on my Tout Wars mixed draft team. 
Uh, and, you know, I'll roll with it. You know, I'll see what happens. But uh, for me, I think Ashcraft might be a bit more intriguing. Yeah, uh, that league I talked about on Saturday, we drafted Ashcraft and we're really excited nice. to do so on Saturday. Follow the strikeouts, right? Uh, the great Ron Chandler has talked about, we always want pitchers who get strikeouts. But maybe this year with the shifting regulations and all that, maybe it's more important to keep the ball out of play whenever you can. And yeah. Ashcraft is going to strike out 10 guys per nine innings, I think. And, and man, again, that 25 to two ratio you mentioned. And not only are walks and strikeouts just indicative of skill anyway, you want to miss bats, you want to be around the plate, but they're also stats that stabilize really quickly. We don't need a huge yeah. sample of walks and strikeouts. This is why every April, what I'll do, but three weeks into the season, a month into the season, I'll look for relievers who have like 14 strikeouts and two walks. It doesn't matter if you've yeah. even heard of the guy. Be like, okay, maybe I need to add him in a medium or deeper league. And yeah. they'll come out of nowhere. And, and you get players like Nick Anderson a few years ago who nobody thought anything of. And then he became a really hot reliever for a couple of years. Now he's trying to get his career going again. That's kind of relievers, right? They're hot and cold. You, you, you love them when they're hot. They're like French fries, right? They're great when they're hot. And when they're not, <laughs> when they're not hot, you, you kind of don't want them anymore. I but. like that. I love that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm stealing that from Michael Selfie, you know, I want to give him credit for okay. that. But but anyway, yeah, Ashcraft is a guy we did draft this weekend. With Kikuchi, where he's at in his career, just the, the downward spiral. Now, the granted, pitchers are always changing. They're always, you know, pitch mixes and different catchers, different spots on the rubber, different, you know, all sorts of things. They're, you know, different health, different velocities. I'm willing to be open-minded that I'm wrong on Kikuchi, but I haven't drafted into him proactively. Again, I, I'm going to follow the strikeouts with Ashcraft, what he showed last year. And again, that 25 to 2, when you throw that up in the spring, you immediately have my attention. So he's one of my favorite right. late-round picks right now. You know, you're talking about relievers who, you know, you get to May 1 and they have a 14 to 2 strikeout to walk ratio. Look at the Rays. It's like every year they invent someone who's suddenly great. So true. And I, I'm very confident they will do it again this year. So watch their bullpen closely. There's always value to be found there. Uh, next up, Derek Hall with the Phillies. I really like this one, though it comes with some unfortunate circumstances. Of course, Hall is now expected to see most of the at-bats at first base uh, for the Phillies now that Reese Hoskins is done for the season with a torn ACL in his knee. Non-contact play, just a total freak injury. Uh, these things can happen. Uh, it's just a bummer for Hoskins because this is his walk year. Um, mm -hmm. This was a free agent season for him, so that's definitely going to impact his earning power. Uh, but Hall launched nine homers and 142 plate appearances with the Phillies last year, had 28 homers in 101 games in AAA. Six foot four, 232 pounds, big left-handed hitter. Strikeouts, definitely a concern here. He struck out 31% of the time with the Phillies last year. Regularly had strikeout rates in the mid-20s in the minors. Um, also has struggled against lefties. So we're probably talking about a platoon situation, but he'll still get the strong side of the at-bats there. So I do think there's some appeal in deeper mixed leagues. Certainly NL-only formats, he should be rostered. Uh, but I think he's a sleeper for 20-plus homers in a situation that's pretty promising in Philadelphia. For sure. And you look at the shape of that lineup. If they're going to go righty-lefty, righty-lefty, He'll bat cleanup when he plays, hitting behind Trey oh, Turner, Kyle great. Schwarber, and JT Realmuto. That is the catbird seat. We know it's a good park. And who, who knows? I mean, if, if he does enough against righties, maybe it'll give him a chance to play against lefties. I'm old enough to remember when Charlie Manuel used to just put three lefties in a row. You know, he just didn't mm -hmm. care about that type of stuff. That's uh, kind of matter Charlie Manuel was. But uh, obviously a, a hit for Hoskins, and you, you hope he can get his career back on track because he's already kind of right around the turn where he's at. But yeah. Philadelphia's a destination lineup, and when you're going to have those on-base 
guys, those, those on-base machines in front of you. I, I love that the Phillies, by the way, have always understood that Kyle Schwarber should hit first or second because a lot of teams are like, oh, he's a power hitter. He's going to hit in the middle of the lineup. Oh, he's a low average hitter. He's going to hit six. No, no, no. He gets on base constantly. He should be yeah. batting as many times as you can get him on the, you know, get him up. You know, first or second is the perfect spot for Schwarber. Obviously, they make the move for Turner. At some point, they'll get Bryce Harper back. So, so maybe Hall moves down, you would think, in the lineup later in the season. But um, you know, the question, we know this is a fantasy football motif, but it also applies in fantasy baseball. It's next man up. The moment anybody gets hurt, your first question should be, uh, the moment Reese Hoskins got hurt, you got to say, oh, well, who's their first baseman? Where are these at-bats going? All this playing yeah. time just opened up. This is a guy who's going to play every day who's out of the equation for the entire season. Obviously, we we're trained that think that way with closers, but it's really with any position. Any injury is going to set up opportunity, and, and Hall's come from a guy nobody was drafting to a guy now. I, I would think his ADP is probably what just outside the top 200 now. It could be. Yeah, I didn't check this weekend for Hall specifically, but uh, he's on the minds of a lot of fantasy managers in, in a favorable situation. So yeah, All my fab uh, bidding this weekend had a lot of Hall. Was, I didn't get him, but he was involved actively in TGFBI, in uh, in labor mixed league. So people were, were putting in aggressive bids on him, and I get it. Yeah, I have uh, Hall in NL only labor. Oh, uh, I'm wait- perfect. I'm, I'm waiting until he qualifies at first base, and then I'll put him in my lineup. So I have to wait a couple of weeks, but I think it'll be uh, definitely be worth it. Did uh, you draft him pre pre Hoskins? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, wow! What a pick! That's that's the type of stuff that you you know that gets you to contend or win a league is when you pick on something like that and you, you get that fall into your lap. Because as you, as you said, his power showed last year. He's already showed he can hit home runs in the majors. Yeah, reserve round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. Just thinking, you know, he'll. I was at the time I was thinking he'll have opportunity because of the Harper injury, DH, whatever outfield possibly. Uh, so yeah, some value fell into my into my lap there. So I was certainly uh, what happy FOMO, about that. By the, I'll give you some FOMO by the way. I have not gotten Bryce Harper yet, and he's he's been reasonably oh, yeah. priced my last couple of drafts. And I did an online Yahoo auction last night. It's a head to head league. And it's the perfect league to have Harper because all you do is make the playoffs. And then you get, if you're in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. They didn't help you for the first three months. There's IL spots in that league. And I was, me and somebody else were elbowing back and forth. And I ultimately gave in. And then I did the work. DJ, you know the worst thing you can do in an auction leave money on the table. Oh, yeah. I left money on the table and I lost the bidding war for Harper and I lost the bidding war for Jordan Walker. But, you know, I, I got, you know, whatever, whoever I want at the end of the draft who is not as good as Harper, who's not as good as Jordan Walker. So I felt sick to my stomach when that thing ended. <laughs> if you think everybody's – here, I'll give you a quick little auction tip. If you think everybody's bidding like crazy early in the auction, still buy a guy or two just in case. Just so you, you, you can't – yeah, you're going to get values later, but you have, to have, you have to have something to bid on, right? If you're getting yeah. a bunch of $12 players – for nine dollars, you're not going to win your league that way. You know, I think I got a right. lot of values, and I actually have an unbelievable pitching staff. I'd be embarrassed to tell you how my offense looks like. You'd be like, "Oh, is this a 16 team league?" No, it's a 12 team league. But <laughs> I'm going to have to hope my pitchers stay healthy. But again, I had the chips to push back on Harper, to push back on Walker. I didn't do it, and then I walked away with 22 bucks in my pocket. I just wanted wow. to vomit. 22 bucks. Uh, I've been pretty aggressive in leagues that are in on base percentage leagues with with Harper. Um, yeah, I have to wait like three months, but may- maybe not because the Phillies didn't put him on the 60-day IL. Like, I-, I think they're not even sure what's going to happen with that. But uh, if Harper is himself, like you're looking at a player who could put up a 400 on base percentage. I love you mentioned OBP too. And this league, by the way, is a is a it's a hybrid eight by eight, but OBP and walks are included. So this 
somebody might say an anti-case for Harper would be like, well, what if he doesn't hit the ground running? What if his power doesn't come back right away? I'll tell you what will come back right away. He will get on base. The moment he's back on the field, he's going to be an OBP monster because those skills don't, those skills don't go into slumps. If you have a good batting eye, you're all, you know, Soto is always going to have a great OBP. Last year he didn't have a great season, but you can't stop Soto, uh, Juan Soto from understanding the strike zone and getting respect from umpires and pitchers being afraid of him. Bryce Harper's always yeah. going to have that. Even if the power isn't peak Harper, you're going to have a 4-10 OBP. It's just who he is. Yep, totally agree. Uh, so two pitchers here, uh, Mitch Keller and Clark Schmidt. Keller will actually get the opening day assignment for the Pirates. He's been very good this spring. We're talking strikeout-to-walk ratio. Keller has a 20-to-1 strikeout to walk ratio in 15 and two thirds innings. And it, you know, it's one thing to just say these numbers with a pitcher we know pretty well, uh, but Keller has a new pitch, a cutter, which he has been throwing a lot this spring and getting very comfortable with it. We saw Keller take a step forward last year in terms of ERA. It was down to 3.91. Control was better. The ground ball rate went up, uh, but the strikeout percentage was basically the same. But if we can see some growth with the strikeouts, I think there's some real potential here. I and mean, again, with a pitcher who's making a little tweak, adding the car, adding the cutter to his arsenal, I think he's at least a name worth watching. Clark Schmidt is a little shakier for me. I'd be more likely to take Keller than Schmidt. Uh, Schmidt, though, has adopted a cutter this spring, has a 5-2-8 ERA, but he's pitched better than that. He's had three really good starts, uh, two not-so-great ones, but 18-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, and just over 15 innings uh, for him. What do you think with these guys, Scott? Yeah, I, I probably like Schmidt a little bit more just because I get tied to the Yankees undertow. They're going to win more games where Keller, well, Pittsburgh, I know Vaughn on our over-under podcast, he had Pirates going under and, and none of us argued with him. It seemed reasonable <laughs> to us. But you, you make a great point that it's not just the numbers in a vacuum, but we have to ask ourselves what's different. Has a player changed his pitch mix? Is he doing something that makes his profile ostensibly different? And in the case of Keller, that's certainly true. In the case of Schmidt, too, it's a case of he wasn't – I don't think three months ago anybody thought he'd be anywhere near the rotation, but with some of the injuries they've had yes. and the shaping of their roster, now he's probably going to be their number two starter. So what a leap for him. But I tend to follow the team. And also I think Schmidt's just past strikeout profile means more to me. But – I'm open-minded that maybe I got Keller wrong. He'll be one of the guys I watch closely early in the season because in a lot of mixed leagues, you may actually get to see a start or two before yep. you take the plunge on him. So I'll, sure. I'll try to watch his first couple of turns. Or maybe it, it, it's, again, you can't wait for proof in a competitive league. If he has one good start, you might just have to act on that. Uh, he's yep. more watch list for me. I'd more be interested drafting Clark if I had to draft in the next three days. But they're both certainly guys we should have an eye on because they have meaty roles on, on two different teams. One team's a contender, one team isn't. But both teams have said, hey, you're one of our main guys. We need you when the season starts. Yep. So I, I got a bunch of good names sent to me. If you go on my uh, Twitter, at DJ Short, you can see uh, the tweet and the reply with like a bunch of good names. So if you want to start a list and go into your draft, especially if it's a deep one, uh, you know, scratch down a bunch of those names. That's definitely going to help you out. And a lot, of their, a lot of their rankings and applets are going to be buried, right? That's, the, that's why you scratch them down because you want to make sure you – know, Clark Schmidt may be – 500 on your applets list yep. you know a lot of the you know yeah i was like anybody else i mean we, we don't yep. have a perfectly ranked list so you need to know it's so easy to forget these guys so yep. i can't say enough you, you mentioned writing them down on a list oh, i want these guys in your mind i don't actually i know you can change the rankings in your applet but i like to know what my opponents are looking at so i'm not going to change that 
But next mm-hmm. to me, I'll have a little, it's like a grocery list, right? A little piece of paper, and you got your 15 pet guys you want to get in the late rounds. And you'll be surprised. You'll wind up getting like half of the guys in your list if you want to, because again, they're buried in a lot of draft applets. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, a lot of that, that back end of your roster final fee picks are going to be fluid throughout the year. So mm-hmm. uh, taking a shot on some of these guys makes sense. Michael Massey is one of those with the Royals. He's projected to be the Royals' primary second baseman to begin the year. Started out a little slow this spring, but overall has been productive. Has an 857 OPS, three homers, two doubles, two steals across 15 games. The numbers didn't jump off the page in his time with the Royals last year. 683 OPS with four homers in 52 games. But the expected power numbers indicated that he deserved a lot better. The barrel rate was actually really, really impressive. I think it was around 14%. Uh, Massey put up 16 homers and 13 steals in 87 games between double A AA and triple A last year. I think batting average wise, you probably aren't expecting much, uh, but double digit homers and steals are very much in play, assuming he does get those regular bats this season. Yeah, two, two guys I'm interested in this roster, Massey and, and Kyle Isbell as well. Yeah. They're both left handed hitters who may be in the platoon to start the season, but if I were the Royals, you're trying to develop your guys. It's not like you're platooning to, to make the playoffs, right, or to try to yep. you know, get every juice out of every game. Let your players have a chance to grow and see if they can be full-time guys. So I'm open-minded to maybe Massey and Isbell end up being players who can challenge for 550 or 600 at-bats. They hit the ground running. I know most of the activity – a lot of reasons why I haven't drafted into Kansas City this year is I don't like the second half of the lineup. But Isbell and Massey are two guys I think could rise who are interesting, worth taking later in the draft. It, in part, you have to look at it. When you're drafting late, it's not about what can go wrong. It's about what can go right, okay? If you if you had to take Massey in the middle of your draft, I could get it. Like, oh, I don't want to take him. He's in a platoon. When you draft him late, you say, what if he beats the platoon? What if he gets a full-time job? That category, as you said, he could easily be a double-digit homer and steal guy. There aren't that many players who fit that profile, even with stolen bases expected to go up this year. And maybe if he improves, maybe he moves up in the lineup. I think he's a perfect – all you're asking for with your late picks is plausible upside – and like the Pirates, like the the Tigers, like the Nationals, some of these teams, the Royals are like this. There's no buzziness other than, you know, Bobby Witt, I get it. You know, he's buzzy or Pasquantino or whatever. But nobody's going to elbow you out of the way. There's, there's no $17 bidding war over Michael Massey at the end of your auction, right? You get him for a buck or you pick him yeah. up when you put somebody on IL. He's a perfect late-round plausible upside guy. Framil Reyes is expected to make the Royals roster as their DH. So, you know, that's another one. I mean, I, two years ago, he hit over 30 homers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very possible he could do that again, provided he gets regular at-bats, which is an open question. But, you know, if you're in a very deep league or certainly AL only, uh, he should be rostered. So that'll do it for today. And Scott, I'm excited for our next episode, which is going to be our season preview episode division winners, World Series, award picks, all that good stuff. Looking forward to that one. I am as too. I am as well. And I'm also looking forward to some more drafts on Yahoo. Of course, if you haven't gotten in the league, you want to get another one, you get some FOMO to work out. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball is open for business. Do a draft, do an auction, do whatever you like. Get in the game, man. It's going to be a fun season. You don't want to be left behind. Awesome. I still have a couple drafts this week, so looking forward to that. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. If you don't already, Scott is Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. Again, I'm at DJ Short. Take care and we will see you next time. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.